Well, hello, Radiant. It is good to be together again in God's word this week. We are continuing our sermon series, Radiant God, Trusting His Word. Uh, Over the last couple weeks, we've seen that the Bible is God's word. And so when the Bible speaks, God speaks. And, And God is truth, and he only speaks what is true. Therefore, the Bible is completely true. It is the inerrant and inspired, God-breathed word of God. And then last week, we asked the question, how do we know that the Bible is indeed God's voice? Because in and through the scriptures, we see the glory of God. Now, this week, in light of all of that, what's the place of God's word in our lives? What's the place of God's word in our lives? And we're just gonna say it right here out of the gates. The Bible is the final authority in our lives. It is the authority by which we test all claims to what is right and true. And you might be like, but wait, but wait, you're gonna be using the Bible to show that the Bible is the final authority in our lives. How does that work? Isn't that circular reasoning? And I'd say, well, let me ask you a question. Where else would we go? Where else will we go to know the final authority for our lives? Would we go to the New York Times and ask them, what do you believe is the final authority in our lives? Or, or Fox News or Bob at work or even me and my opinions and my feelings or you and what you think? No, no, because you see, that would then make those things the final standard for authority. You see, the buck always stops somewhere. Someone or something will always have the last word and will be the final measure of authority. And since since the Bible is the very words of God, the buck stops here. There are so many different authorities in our lives, whether that is your parents or work or the government or church, but none of them, none of them are your final authority. Our final authority is God's word. It is the authority above and over it all, all things and people and institutions must yield to God's authority mediated through his word by his spirit. I want us to consider the authority of scripture today from the life of Christ. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we saw in Hebrews chapter one that Jesus is God and he reveals God to us and he speaks on behalf of God. So Jesus is probably the best place to start as we consider this. 
and ask, what did he believe about the authority of scripture? And whatever that is, that's probably a great place for us to be too. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn in them to Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter four. We're gonna be in a couple different scriptures this morning, uh, but all of them are gonna be in Matthew. So that should make it easier to get around. Matthew chapter four, we're gonna be looking at this first section in Matthew chapter four, verses one through 11. And we wanna see the authority of scripture in the life of Christ. The first thing we see about the authority of scripture is we see it in the example of Jesus. In the example of Jesus. Let's look at this. Verse one, Matthew chapter four. It says, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I love that. It's a understatement. And the tempter came and said to him, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple and he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, uh-oh, the devil's using scripture now. He says, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And then the devil left him and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. The example of Jesus. Look here at uh, verses one and two, what's happening. Jesus is led by the spirit into the wilderness where he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. This should sound familiar, right? Do you remember Israel? being led into the wilderness by the Lord for what? For 40 years. And this is so cool. In the, in the place where Israel failed, Jesus perfectly obeyed. And I love it. What's he, what's he going to do here? He's going to obey the Father. How? By obeying the Scripture. He's going to battle the devil here in submission to the word of God. And he'll properly honor the word of God and provide us an example of how to fight Satan and temptation. And that's how? That's by the sword of the spirit. So first temptation, verses three and four. The devil says, if you're the son of God, Command these stones to become loaves of bread. 
Satan's like, come on, Jesus. Complain. Just like Israel did in the wilderness. Express your dissatisfaction with the Father and how he's provided for you, just like Adam and Eve did when they took the fruit in the garden. And since God led you into the wilderness and then he didn't provide fruit, food for you, make some for yourself in spite of what he wants. And what's Jesus say? No. Why? Verse four. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Deuteronomy 8, 13. Jesus says, I will live by the authority of the word of God. I will live according to his will, right? To obey him. By obeying his word is better than food. He's like, keep your food. Keep your stones. I'll take his word. Second temptation there, verses five through seven. Devil takes him to the holy city, sets him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the, uh, a stone. And Satan is saying here, like, listen, God promises here even in scripture that he'll protect you. And then he rips Psalm 91 out of its context and misapplies it for his own benefit. And he's like, where's God as you're suffering here in the wilderness? Make him prove that he is with you and protecting you because it sure seems like he's not even here. And Jesus says, verse seven, no, why? Again, it is written. This, again, it is written. It's almost, it's, it's, it's like it's saying, it's also written is what he's saying here. So yes, it, thanks for quoting scripture to me, okay? But it's also written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Deuteronomy 6.13. Jesus is like, I will yield to all of scripture's authority in its proper context. And I won't test God and ask him to prove himself, but instead I'll trust him and his word. Third temptation, verses eight through 11. It says again, the devil took him on a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, all these things I'll give to you if you'll fall down and worship me. Satan's like, yield to my authority and I'll give you all of this. In fact, I'll give you all of this without the cross. You can be king now, Jesus. You can take your rightful place now, Jesus, without the suffering, without yielding to the will of the Father. And what's Jesus say there in verse 10? He says, no. In fact, he says, be gone, Satan. Get lost, devil, for it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Jesus is like, I'll yield 
to God's authority. I'll walk his path. I'll demonstrate by yielding to the authority of God's word. He's saying he is worthy. He is the only one worthy of worship, not you. And the the whole argument of like, uh, I'll follow Jesus, but but not the Bible. It, It doesn't work. Because Jesus here doesn't stand over scripture like a judge of it, but instead he obeys it. He lives his life yielded to God through his word, even to the cross. He demonstrates here by his perfect obedience that he is the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he also demonstrates that he's our example. He's our example of how to have victory over sin and temptation, and that's by living lives yielded to God under the authority of the Bible. We see the authority of Scripture in the example of Jesus. Next, we see the authority of Scripture in the teaching of Jesus. In the teaching of Jesus. Turn over one page to Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five, we're gonna be starting there in verse 17. We were actually in this verse a couple weeks ago, but I want us to come back to this and see a little bit more of it today. Matthew five, verse 17 says this. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them. Pause. Jesus is like, don't misunderstand. I haven't come to set this aside. I haven't come to set aside or abolish the law or the prophets. I haven't come to set aside scripture. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Jesus is gonna hold out a high view of scripture here. In fact, the highest view. Because all the prophecies and predictions and the promises and the purposes are all pointing to him and he fulfills them all and brings them to completion and now he's going to rightly interpret them and obey them perfectly verse 18 for truly i say to you until heaven and earth pass away not an iota not a a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom. heaven so Jesus is like listen I'm not abolishing this I'm not setting this aside I'm fulfilling it and then obeying it perfectly and then and then what is he saying he teaches us how we are to view scripture here what are we supposed to do okay we are supposed to do them and teach them we're supposed to obey the scriptures and then teach them down to the smallest things, down to the smallest details. Why? Why? Because they all point to him and they are all 
from him. Remember, all scripture is breathed out by God. I love in this paragraph how he talks about scripture as the law and the prophets and the commands, just demonstrating, he's like, listen, I'm talking about all of it. The complete thing, every bit of it, great and small, you're supposed to obey it, you're supposed to do it, and you're supposed to teach it. Because our obedience to the scripture represents our obedience to him. Jesus taught submission to all of the teachings of Scripture. They are our authority. We're to obey them and teach them in light of, through the lenses of, his fulfillment of them, his life, his death, his resurrection, in light of his perfect obedience of them, and in light of his right interpretation of them. We see the authority of scripture in the example of Jesus. We see it in the teaching of Jesus. And now we see the authority of scripture in the commission of Jesus. The commission of Jesus. Turn to the very end of the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. We're gonna start down in verse 16. This is after the resurrection. And Jesus comes to his disciples. Look at verse 16. And he says, now the, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. I love that. So they even go to the mountain in obedience to what Jesus has told them. So uh, the 11 disciples go to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus has directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. They worshiped him. That's so interesting because see, the commission that's gonna be given by Jesus right here, the mission uh, that he is going to give to them, that is the goal of it, right? Worship. That people from all nations would worship King Jesus. The mission is to multiply worshipers of Jesus to the ends of the earth. The mission, the commission to the disciples and to us is going to be, listen, go see more and more and more people doing what we are doing right here, worshiping Jesus. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Verse 18, and Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. The God, man, Jesus is king. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death on a cross. And then he rose from the dead in victory. And now he has been exalted to the father's right hand and he righteously rules his kingdom. All authority. Remember back in Matthew chapter four, what Satan do? Satan offers Jesus a kingdom obtained without suffering. And now, Jesus has been given it all by the way of the cross and the resurrection and according to and submitted to the will of the Father. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19 
Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Doing what? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus is like, listen, is everybody paying attention? All authority in heaven and earth is mine. It's been given to me. Now, therefore, in light of that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and make disciples, baptizing and teaching them, okay? Baptizing and teaching, further specifying what it looks like to make disciples, teaching them to do what? To observe, to obey what? All that I have commanded you. Okay, so let's, let's walk through this. Okay, what's all this saying? It's saying this. So how do we know that we are supposed to go and make disciples? How do we know our commission, our mission as the church? We know it from Jesus through his word. How will the nations know the good news and respond to it? By the work of the Holy Spirit through his word, carried by his disciples in obedience to his word. How will the nations know his commands and grow in Christ-likeness? Through his word, taught by his disciples. So Jesus is like, go and make disciples everywhere. Proclaim the good news about me so that people will turn from their sins and trust in me for salvation and be baptized and then taught to live their lives yielded under my authority. Not merely just taught, but taught to observe. Taught to obey. This is what ongoing discipleship looks like. Teaching people to live their lives to the fullest in obedience to the authority of Jesus' words. Jesus lived in obedience to the authority of Scripture. It is written. He taught obedience to the Scripture. Whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And he commissions us to make disciples by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit through his word. Everything in the example of Jesus, in the teaching of Jesus, and in the commission of Jesus testifies to the final authority of God's word in our lives. Hopefully, at this point in this sermon series, um, you are picking up the Bible and you are beginning or continuing to listen to the voice of the Lord there while asking him to show you his glory in the scriptures. So now what? Now what do we need to do? What's next? 
in light of Scripture being the final authority in our lives? Two things. First, we should test everything by it. We should test everything by the Bible. Uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 11 says this of the Bereans. It says, now these Jews were more noble than those of Thessalonica, and they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. The Bereans here are commended. Why? Because, because they tested the words and the teaching of Paul and Silas by the scriptures. They said, wait, wait, what are you saying? And why are you saying it? And how are you saying it? Does this match with scripture? Okay, we're looking this, we're checking this. This accords with the word of God. Scripture was their final authority. In Matthew chapter four, what did Jesus do? Jesus tests Satan's word. He tests the words of Satan and he tests Satan's interpretation of scripture. Psalm 91. And what's he tested by? God's word. We're to test everything by God's word. We're to filter everything through it. Everything we see and hear and do should be filtered through the authority of the scriptures. How do I do that? Well, you, you can start by asking this question. What does the Bible have to say about this? What's the Bible have to say about this? Right? This is saying, I'm going to the Bible first. I'm going there first for everything, whether it involves doctrine or politics or purchases or decisions or posts or relationships. Like, I'm going to Scripture. And the Bible doesn't necessarily tell us specifically how to make every single decision. It doesn't tell us whether we should get the Coke slushy or the cherry slushy when we go to Target. Always the Coke slushy, by the way. But the Lord does communicate through his word everything that we need to live a life pleasing to him and in relationship with him. Are we going there to test everything? Are we going to the Bible first to hear from the Lord? Asking, what does it have to say about this? What, what does the Lord want me to know about this particular situation and about him in light of it? How does he want me to think about this and feel about this and what does he want me to do? Test everything by the Bible. What does God's word have to say about this? And then, and then, when we find out what God's word has to say about it, what's next? We yield to it we yield to it we obey it right everything filtered through the through the bible and then and then placed under the bible as our final authority we do not want to just 
be hearers of the word only. We want to be doers of the word. See, it's, it's easy to say amen to a sermon. It's something completely different to do something about it, to yield, to change, to bring my life and my thinking and my feeling and my acting into conformity with the word of God under its authority. Jesus is the king. And this is his word. When the king commands something, we don't just study it. We don't just memorize it. We don't just put it on a wooden sign on our wall. We do it. We yield to it. The reason he gave us the commands in the first place so that we would obey him. And I think, I think most of us know this. Like we get that. And we understand that. And we even know that to be true. But I think we fear yielding for lots of reasons, but specifically even two. I think we fear yielding to the authority of God's word first because I think we know some of the difficult things that he'll call us to in it. We, we know some of the hard things that he's gonna call us to obey in his word, right? He's gonna call us to war against our sin, all of it. He, he's gonna call us to sacrifice and maybe to suffering. He's gonna call us to proclaim the gospel to our neighbors and our families and our friends and even our enemies. He's gonna call us to love not hate. He's going to call us to give rather than take. And that's hard. So we don't do it. Or we fear doing it. Uh, about once a year, we have a garage sale at our house. Uh, it's, a, it's a way for us to pass on things that we no longer need uh, to simplify our lives and to get some funds so that we can purchase other things that we actually need. And every time that we come to this time of year, everybody in our house goes on a hunt for every single thing that we could possibly get rid of in our house. And while they're all searching for those things, I spend most of my time guarding one of my dresser drawers specifically the dresser drawer that contains my t-shirts, okay? So I love t-shirts. And I love t-shirts even more the older they get. You see, they've been washed a lot. They start to get faded. They fit just right and they get perfectly comfortable and then they get holes in them, which is even better. And sometimes they smell just, just right and they are and not everyone in my house shares my sentiment for my old t-shirt. In fact, there are certain individuals in my house that think that when they get to a certain age, they should be discarded and never seen again, and we could not disagree more. I love my t-shirts, and so when everybody's on the hunt 
for everything that can be sold and gotten rid of and dealt with once and for all, I stand in front of that drawer and I say, no, you can't have anything. But this is off limits. You can take everything else, but I love my t-shirts and you can't have this. So often, that's exactly what we do with the authority of God's word. You can have everything else. But you can't have this. Yes, Lord, I, I yield to your kingship. I yield to your authority, except for this drawer. Except for this page. Except for this command. That's off limits. That's got my precious things in it. That's a dangerous and a sad game to play with the God of the universe. See, if we have a problem with something in the Bible, the problem is not with it. The problem's here, in our heart. What's your t-shirt drawer? What do I need to yield under the authority of God's word? What thing or doctrine or thought or relationship? We also, I think, fear yielding because we wrongly view God. Something we've been talking about in the series previous to this as we talked about the Lord. I think we fear yielding because we've got a completely wrong view of who God is. And we, we view God as some grouchy dad who just wants us to submit and serve. Instead, he's a good father who sees the big picture, who knows what's best for us and wants us to experience fullness of joy in relationship with him, rightly yielded to Jesus as king. I mean, he's a good father who sent his son to, to save us and he gives us his spirit to help us and to fight against his authority in and over our lives, it's only gonna lead to frustration, sin, and separation. It'll lead to enmity and not intimacy. But to yield, to yield under his yoke is life. Life. I, I was this week in Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19, it says this that God speaking to the children of Israel says, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse to listen and rebel, you shall be eaten 
by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Look at this, he's like, listen, if you repent, the verses ahead of this say, if you repent, like you'll be washed whiter than snow, right? And if you're willing and obedient, if you yield to me and hear me, what? You will eat the good of the land. There will be joy in relationship with God and blessing in this life and in the next. But if you refuse and you rebel, you'll be destroyed. Actually says you'll be eaten, you'll be devoured here by the sword. When we live our lives yielded to the authority of his word, it results in, in fruitfulness, in right relationship with him. It results in joy and usefulness and it glorifies him. Uh, C. Michael Patton said this in his book. He says, as a believer in Christ, the best place you can be is under the authority of the one who loves you and made you. He knows what is best. Why would we seek anything else? As a Christian disciple, you must build a respect for all the authorities that God has given. Yes, God is the ultimate authority in your life, but the ultimate way in which God has chosen to communicate his authority is through the scriptures. This is why as a Christian, we must read and meditate on and study the Bible as often as you are able. It is indispensable for Christian discipleship. The best place to be, the most joy-filled place to be and not just some glib joy but serious real joy that recognizes that life is difficult and hard the most joy filled place to be is walking in obedience to the Lord yielded to his authority in his word by the power and by the help of his Holy Spirit the Bible holds the place of final authority in our lives. Are you testing everything by it? And are you yielding your life to it? Next week, Pastor Cody, what is the story of the Bible? Pray with me. Father, Thank you for your word. Lord, in your word we see that you are a good father and that you love us. We see that the best place to be, that the most joy-filled place to be, that the safest place for us, Lord, is walking in obedience to you through your word. Would you help us? Would you help us to test everything in our lives by it, to go to your word first, Lord, to hear from you in it. And would you help us in the easier and in the difficult places of your word, Lord? Would you help us to obey you there? Would you help us to yield 
to it, Lord, as we rest in your finished work on the cross and as we lean on help from your Holy Spirit to in victory walk in obedience to your commands. We can't do it without you, Lord. Help us to be pleasing to you. May we glorify you with the way that we approach your word even this week. Oh, you are good, Lord. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.